Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Every day, every minute of the day, we try hard to make sense of the world around us. It's a very human, very basic trait we have. We work on trying to understand what is happening around us, happening to us. And then we react to it, well or otherwise, quickly or slowly. We look for patterns so that we can try and predict what is happening next, what we ourselves should do and how to do it. If you're at all interested in this aspect of our human nature, how we process information and even make decisions, I recommend to you highly a book by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Slow. I learned a lot from it about myself, about those close to me, about those experiencing separation, my clients, and those who come to me for family mediation. A really, really good read. So why am I starting off this episode this way? Because our subject for today is something I encounter quite often as a family law lawyer and as a mediator. And that is very sincere, but on occasion misguided efforts at comparing two family law cases and trying to make decisions on that basis. Let me explain and expand a bit here. Just like in the title of this episode, someone may come to me and say, my coworker divorced and in her case, the father only sees the children every other Friday. So that is what I'm requesting as well. Or I might hear, my neighbor had to give his wife the house, the cottage, and a pile of money. So it's clear family law in Canada is unfair. These types of statements are efforts by someone who is often under a lot of pressure and dealing with a lot of emotion to make sense of what is happening to them. Again, 
This is being done in difficult circumstances. We know that separation and divorce rank along with death and grief among the most difficult and impactful events in one's life. So the context is already very challenging. And sometimes the stress can be so serious, so acute, that the fight or flight response might be kicking in. To make matters even more complicated, a person facing separation often finds themselves in this situation for the very first time in their life. What they are experiencing is new. What is ahead is unknown. An avalanche of new concepts is being hurled at this person from every direction. Joint family venture, parenting time, equalization, Section 7 expenses. In a desperate search for homeostasis, balance, yearning for a return to some state of normal, human beings look for patterns, predictors of next steps to help them manage the chaos. So comparisons in situations like these are almost expected. And they aren't all bad. I'm going to give you three examples of comparisons that can be helpful. Situations where someone else's experiences can be instructive on options, on what might be helpful and what might not. Here's example number one. Venita just separated and is wondering whether to try family mediation. Her co-worker, Paul, separated three years ago, and he and his wife spent two years in family court. It was an expensive process. It took a long time because the case had to make its way through the system, so to speak, through conferences and motions. Two years into the litigation, Paul and his wife agreed to try family mediation. They settled the entire case in three sessions. It was hard work, but it was worth it for him and for his wife and for the children. Someone had suggested mediation to Paul before the court case started, but he didn't follow up because he didn't think he and his wife could agree on anything. After his case settled, Venita heard Paul express how he wished he and his wife had given family mediation a shot before going to family court. Venita now remembers those comments and decides to look further into the possibility of mediating, into finding out whether family mediation is right for her case. Here's positive example number two. Melanie and Soon Yi are separated and have two kids. They are trying a shared parenting arrangement. The kids live with each of them a week at a time. It's early days and there are some challenges. But they're determined to make it work. When Melanie and Soon Yi do not see one another, they are generally able to co-parent. But opportunities to come face-to-face -face sometimes create problems. There are flare-ups. 
because there's still a lot of emotion swirling around their separation. Suni has a separated friend who also has two children, and she and the father also have a shared parenting arrangement. They were able to agree on most issues related to their kids and family mediation. Suni's friend and the father have a different arrangement. The pickups and drop-offs are at school, with the parent whose parenting time is ending dropping off the kids at school in the morning and the other parent picking up from school in the afternoon. They are into the fourth month of the school year and it's working well. They're going back into mediation to talk about the summer arrangements, but so far so good. The kids like the transitions and there are fewer opportunities for direct contact between the parents. It's the beginning of October. There are several months of school ahead and Suni is going to suggest to Melanie that they try the turnovers at school. Suni is going to use her friend's positive experience and see if it works for her, Melanie and the kids. It may not, but it's worth a try. Positive example number three, Jerry has to complete a financial statement. He has looked briefly over the form and he's wondering how long preparing a proper draft will take him should he set aside an hour, two hours, half a day. He remembers his lawyer telling him that the form needs to be detailed and thorough. The more effort he puts into it, the more believable he will be. If his information, his cards are on the table from the start, a lot of the judge's questions will be answered up front. He will be more credible. But what does that mean from a practical perspective? Again, how much time should he expect to spend on this document, on preparing a reasonable first draft? His friend and co-worker at Embridge had to prepare one of these. So he's going to ask him, get some ideas based on his experience, get some practical pointers. Their circumstances are similar. I'm sure by now you get the picture I'm trying to convey. There are some commonalities and it is possible to discern and even apply some patterns in family law cases. By comparing couples that separate and divorce. But this must be done with caution. And when you do it, ask yourself, how much is my case like or unlike the situation to which I'm comparing it? The more similarities there are, the more appropriate the comparison but you may simply not be aware of some important facts that make your cases different, in fact. First and foremost, a reminder that we are human. No two humans are alike. No two couples are alike. The dynamics of your case may be completely different than those of your neighbors. The way you and your ex communicate may be entirely unlike the way the couple 
down the street communicates. And just because the two of you spent time in each other's backyards in the past over barbecues doesn't necessarily mean you truly know what happened between them behind closed doors. In fact, when you compare, look for patterns, and then plan your own approach, or worse, inaction, based on such comparisons, you may be comparing apples and oranges, both fruit and yet very different. Your neighbors down the street, the ones whose case you're comparing to your own, were they married or common law? Do you in fact know for sure? They were together for 15 years, but maybe you just assumed they were married. In Ontario, when it comes to property and debts, the law applies differently to married spouses and common law spouses. So what might seem like a small piece of information may in fact be a vital piece of the puzzle. Not having it may make your comparison problematic. Let's come back to that hypothetical statement I cited earlier on in the show. My neighbor had to give his wife the house, the cottage, and a pile of money, so it's clear family law in Canada is unfair. Let's unpack that a bit. What you heard the neighbors apparently had to do is not in fact any evidence of what the law in Canada is or may be. If these alleged gives were in connection with property division and you are a resident of Ontario, so your neighbor also lives in Ontario, then it's Ontario's Family Law Act that would apply here to married people. The legislation contains a very unique formula for how we deal with property and debts on separation. You know that your neighbor worked for a very successful landscaping business, but did you know he actually owned the business? Was not just an employee, but an actual sole shareholder in the business. And when he and his wife split, he really wanted to keep the business and continue to generate those great profits. And so based on the value of the business, he owed his wife, his ex-wife, sufficient value that transferring the house and the cottage to her made sense, was fair under the law. Again, if a comparison is based on incomplete facts, it may be misguided because you may be comparing apples and oranges. Here's another example of a comparison that may lead to inaccurate conclusions. You know of a couple, they separated after 20 years of marriage. She is not receiving any spousal support. They had three kids and she left the workforce in her 20s. You think, maybe I'm not entitled to spousal support at all. My income is one-sixth of what my ex is making and I'm struggling to make ends meet. We moved three times for his job while we were married, so I was never really able to advance my career. But she's not getting any spousal support, so maybe I am not entitled to any either. I better not embarrass myself and not even ask. In this hypothetical, what you may not know about 
is the very substantial lump sum spouse support payment that was made in the other case. In other words, no monthly payments are being made, but a very large payment up front was provided by one spouse to the other in exchange for a full release of spousal support. So the information you have is incomplete, and that is one reason the comparison may not be appropriate. And here, it may be potentially harmful to you if you decide to do nothing based on it. You may be compromising your legal rights, and that would be problematic. It is natural, very human to try to make order out of chaos. In the context of separation, it's particularly understandable, this drive to understand and take as much of the anxiety and unknown out of everyday life. But make your comparisons wisely and apply the conclusions you make with your eyes open. What you should not do, definitely not do, is make decisions about any of the issues that have to be tackled on separation by simply comparing your case to those of others. What happens to you and your children after the separation can affect the rest of your lives. You should be taking steps forward with information in hand, based on legal advice, with a clear understanding of your options and the consequences of the steps you take in this direction or the other. I welcome questions from my clients about another case they know or hear about. Why did that happen there and not here? Can we try what they tried? Those questions tell me my client is thinking about options, tapping into different sources of information, looking at the situation through a wide lens. And I always support that because it's likely to lead to better, more informed decisions. But comparisons to others should not be your only measuring stick. That would be a narrow lens. And the similarities between the two situations may actually be fewer than you expect because you may have incomplete information. Separation can mean upheaval, uncertainty, sadness, anxiety, a roller coaster of emotions. I have talked about this at some depth in previous episodes. Give yourself the ability to zoom in and out of your situation. That might help you manage from day to day. On some days, you will need to deal with very detailed and specific information using a narrow lens, like, for example, the terms of a parenting plan, all the topics that will need to be considered when it comes to your children, where they live, who makes decisions about them, and so on. On other days, you will need to keep track of the big picture. In fact, on those days, that is all you might be able to focus on because your sadness may get the better of you and you may have trouble addressing the detail. If you accept 
that your situation may need some zooming in and out over time and for some time and give yourself permission to do that. You may find it easier to manage your day-to-day existence. Comparisons can be helpful if done the right way. Looking for patterns may be helpful if you have complete information. But you should never make your own decisions simply because you think something similar happened to someone else. Be kind to yourself. Pace yourself. Get help. And legal advice from people who are actually qualified to give it. Know your legal rights and obligations. A lot may be at stake. I do hope my comments today will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.